just lay hands on her. Is it you two? Um, some of you all just gather around, lay hands on her. God's going to restart their hearts. Lord, I thank you that I just see the this arrhythmia, just normal sinus rhythm. Like the Lord says, I'm going to give normal sinus rhythm. seen them where they've stayed in pain gone. I don't know what he's going to do. So Lord, I declare pain-free zone in Jesus' name. Father, I declare pain-free zone. Father, if there needs to be a creative miracle, Lord, I just declare that you're going to have pain-free zones in their feet. Pain-free zone.
having a, a pain like right in the middle of your shoulder blades in the back. Who is that? Is this you? Just raise your hand. Who else? Thank you, Come and pray. There's one over here. There's, I just see pain. I see um, in between the shoulder blades and the upper back. Choose your legs. Move your little legs. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Just if you have a prayer language, just pray in the spirit for just a moment. If you haven't ever prayed in tongues and want to, now would be a good time. And if you've prayed in tongues and you're bored, ask the Lord for a new language today. If you've never sung in the Spirit, this would be a good time. Lord, more of you in our lives in a practical way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Anita and team. <laughs> Who, uh, just during that time of healing, can anybody tell a marked, a marked difference right now, even in the pain, or what happened to you? So did you have a headache when you came in? I had a horrible migraine this morning. Okay, so it's almost gone. Where is it? It just hurts a little bit back here. Okay, so lay hands on her. He doesn't do it 90%. Let's get that other 10%. Use your mouth. Who else? Is there anybody else? How are my bunion people? Check your bunion. Is there, is there any difference in pain, or can you see any difference? Well, get up and walk and see if it's better. Is there any difference? Okay, it's better. Let's. Anybody else? Uh huh. Okay, take a walk and see how we're doing. I have a bunion, but I had a migraine this morning, and it's gone. It's totally gone. Migraine, totally gone. Thank you, Lord. Yours has actually gone down. Wow. You should. Somebody take a picture of this, and then take a picture at the end of the meeting and see if it's changed. I love using technology for God. No Facebooking. Anybody else? Isn't that good? Yes, ma'am. Can you stand up? Thank the Lord. I love that. 
Not that you had a headache, that it's gone. <laughs> Did anybody dream last night? Let me see if you had a dream. Did anybody remember dreaming? Just a, just a few? Anybody else? Never got to the dream stage. That's right, I forgot we're at a treat, a retreat. So who gets, who gets the, uh, did you have a dream, sir? What'd you dream? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Was that it? Uh-huh. What did you feel about that? Do you remember any feelings when you, during the dream? Uh-huh. 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 Well, I feel like the Lord is saying in that dream that there's some things that have actually been stolen you're unaware of. And you're in a season of great discovery. And even some things that have been taken from you, you've said, okay, that's okay, I'll just move on. But the Lord has, has uh, plans to restore some things that are bothering him that you don't even think are, that are even bothering you. So the Lord, I think, uh, came to you with that dream to communicate that he's going to be specifically showing you. And it's not like anything you have to do. Just come into agreement and say yes and amen. And he is going to show you. I feel like there's three things that have actually been taken from you that, you're, that you've either, you're, I think two of them you're actually unaware of. And one of them you've said, you know, hey, I'm good. How many of you know sometimes we say we're good and we're not? You know, it, not good in the sense that God wants to do something about it. So I feel like that there's restoration coming to you, brother. So, isn't that good? Let me say this about dreams and visions and symbolic communication. I'm, I'm not, um, I've got a teaching out there on foundations for hearing him where I talk about why does God speak symbolically and about dream, dreams and dream interpretation. I did it in a dreams and vision <laughs> seminar and I never got to the visions. Can you imagine? Um, <laughs> am I like, like the best rabbit chaser like on the planet? Somebody emailed, uh, texted me last night and said, how did the meetings go? And I think Patrice and I's response was, well, she was all over the map. What did I preach last night? <laughs> but um, I love helping people understand why God speaks symbolically. Uh, do you ever feel like when you're reading the Bible that you feel like Jesus must have had a you know, a clogged up ear, he didn't hear the question asked. Well, why does he do that? Does he still communicate that way today? Why in the heck does he do it? And what in the heck do I do about it? Turn to your neighbor and say, what the heck? So, but there's a reason for that. And so I, I do that teaching on foundations for hearing him. It's a, it's a two-part CD. And so I, I real, that's one of my favorite things to do is to, to help empower you and, and, and clear up uh, any confusion in hearing the voice of God. Now, one of the things I don't teach, it's just not, it's not the way I understand God to communicate, which is, you know, there's a lot of references that are available that says, particularly in dreams, that say red means the blood or that blue means revelation. Or how many of y'all have heard this, that if you ha have a dream about a vehicle, it means the type of ministry you're going to have. Who told you that? Did God tell you that? No, you read it in some book. I'm not downing those books at all, but what has probably happened is someone has, someone has um, developed their own dream language with the Lord, which is, means they've communicated, the Lord's communicated enough to them so that when they see a vehicle, it means that to them, but it doesn't necessarily mean that to you. 
I did, um, if you want to get a, a live teaching, I think it's still on Sojourn's website, oh, a couple of months ago, sojournchurch.org. You'll have to look under guest speakers or guest whatever. Um, just put in my name, and there should be a free MP3 also on that subject on Sojourn's website. So, and, and how many of you know that the, the communication is the relationship? And so many times we, um, we get ticked off at the Lord or we get disappointed or confused or we're, we just because we don't get it. My people perish for lack of knowledge. But this is an hour that God's really training us and teaching us in a relational way how to hear his voice. And can I tell you, it's not, he's not longing for you to hear his voice so that you'll know what to do. It's not about your obedience. It's about relationship. And so one of the things I do with um, some, some young people that I mentor is I'll have them, I'll have them read their Bible for um, three months and not figure out what to do. How many of us pick up our Bible to know what to do? Hello? But what if you took your Bible and for three months you changed your frame? Remember, we're reframing this weekend. You changed your framework and you did two things. Lord, show me who I am. What if you really got your identity from here? Because if once you get your identity vertically, you don't even really have to worry about what to do horizontally. You want me to do that again? So if I really, so like, for example, me, when I come out, I, you know, I got a lot of healing and deliverance while I was incarcerated. That was a miracle in itself. Oh, and by the way, we've got some email sign-up sheets. I think I mentioned this last night. They look like this. If you're interested in, um, I'm going to start doing some word, I'm going to call it words of encouragement because I like to cross over and get out of the charismatic um, boundaries. You know, anyway, if you're interested in that or interested in when, he, when these resources are available in a couple weeks, just sign up on that. But so here I am incarcerated. I get heal, some healing and deliverance and so forth and so on. But when I come out and my prison uniform is off, my steel-toed boots are a couple of miles behind me, I still have 2249077 on my forehead. Now, you can't see it, but I feel it. So here I am in public, and I'm at, you know, at, at you know, at Target's, and I'm, I'm, I'm there, but some of me, some of me is still attached to some of that. So God had to continually show me who I was so that he could erase that prison number, that 2249077. I can't even remember my driver's license number, but I can still remember my inmate number. That was my inmate number. But somehow, for those of y'all that didn't know I was incarcerated, do I, do I sound incarcerated like I've been an ex-con? I mean, was that the first thing you thought of when you saw me was, I bet she's been in the slammer. <laughs> My point is that God wants, God wants to do a work in you to get your 2249077 off you. Because some of us are getting our identity from our divorce. Some of us are getting our identity from our, our financial devastation. Some of us are getting our identity from our ministry. Our ministry as a wife, our ministry as a mother, our ministry as a, maybe a platform minister. But let me tell you, there's, a, there's an empowerment when, when your identity has a purity of vertical empowerment 
And then whether I'm speaking or I have a microphone, it doesn't matter. I'm still secure. I am not rooted and grounded in ministry anymore. But let me tell you, for a while I was. So I've got a question for you today. What is your heart rooted and grounded in? That was a great question, Mary. If you get a chance, write that down. And ask the Lord, Lord, show me what my heart is rooted and grounded in. And why is that important? Because I can guarantee you that some of the circumstances and situations that are touching your life right now are to uproot your heart in some things that it's in so it can be rooted and grounded in love. Some of, some of our hearts are rooted and grounded in bitterness. Aren't you glad I came to church Saturday morning? I hate bitterness. You know, I was, some of my, my, well, my healing has been such a process. Is anybody in process? One of the things I like to do is I like to ask people, can you tell me specifically where the Holy Finger of the Holy Spirit, not in a judgmental way, but where is he working in your heart? What gift is he trying to give you in this season? Because if you can't articulate it, you're probably not cooperating with it. Hello. You might say, Mary, I've never even thought that way. I know, that's why I'm here. I'm on assignment. I want you to think by the I want you to think in new ways by the time we leave this weekend. I want you to begin to inquire of the Lord. Lord, Lord, what are you doing? Can I tell you some of the circumstances that you're trying to push away are the very thing God's trying to use to be the master potter in your life? Hey, I'm so happy. This is good. I loved what Debbie said. She talked about knowing God as Father. If there's anything going on in the, on the planet in this hour, corporately in the body of Christ, it's the Lord revealing himself and trying to get us to see where we have a distorted image of him. How many of you know that you relate to someone out of their image of them? Right? And so we relate to God out of the image we have. So therefore, like you heard me say last night, if you're just waiting God to judge you, <laughs> You're relating to him as a judge. Trust me, I know how to relate to judges in a federal court on national news. <laughs> Not a good way to make your television debut. But I, I know what it's like to have to relate to a judge. You're not going to really be looking for intimacy, are you? You're going to be waiting to see what the next thing he says about the evidence presented against you. And many of us were raised in families or had our primary culture being raised, and we're not dishonoring those in authority over us by realizing the impact of the culture on us. That is not dishonor. Dishonor is when you judge someone's heart and you assess them from some rules or standards. Let me tell you, my friends, it's perfectly okay to assess the impact of a culture or an environment on your life so that you can come out of what was your normal so God can give you a new normal. God's trying to give us some new normals. It doesn't matter if you've walked with the Lord a minute or 60 years. There's some things that we've received as normal that aren't part of the kingdom. And some of that has to do with the way we see God. The biggest impact 
of the way we see God was those that had uh, positions of authority in our life in a primary way. Our caregivers, our teachers, and believe it or not, even like bosses and things like that. And, and so obviously people in spiritual authority. And so one of the things that's happened is we've encountered those people. We don't even know this is happening, but this is a spiritual principle. How many of you know that God's wired the universe to work a certain way? There's, uni- there's spiritual laws, there's natural laws. And one of the way things are wired or divine design is that people in authority should represent God. So as children, who would be the primary people that should represent God to us? Our parents. Now, our parents did the best they could with what they had. And some of them didn't have much. Some of them came from, um, you know, the depression and, you know, very hardworking, um, you know, lack and deprivation. And that's just what they brought to the table. They, they, they did the best they could with what they had. That's, that's how I've learned to stay in a place of honor towards parents. But in the same breath, I'll go, but how did that culture impact me? And does that align with God's divine design for me and my kingdom life? Is anybody with me? So this is what God does. God will come into your life and he will break things down that have been built that we think are normal. And then he'll build things up and get us into a place of new normal that represents the kingdom more. For example, if we, if we grew up in a family that was very conditionally loving, if you make an A, I'll do this. If you do all your chores, I'll do this. As opposed to uh, everything was conditional. Do you know what I'm saying? Anybody have that common? Well, that can imp- unless we encounter a lot of grace... <laughs> That will impact us, and we literally have a works mentality towards the Lord so that I am just basically constantly looking for the next thing I need to do for God because I think that my doing connects me with him. And I have to do it perfectly because that's where his approval comes from. So I'm trained relationally that way. And that's your normal But that's not normal in the kingdom, and that's not how God's relating to you. I'll tell you, oh, since the the death of my mother about 14, 15 months ago or whatever, God has been blessing. I haven't been able to travel as much. I haven't been working as much. You know, he's been blessing me so much the other, you know, not too long ago. I was like, listen, you got to stop this. This is totally messing up my theology. (laughs) I mean, he wants to do things for you without you deserving them. Can I just tell you that? Can I tell you, you do not have to pray the perfect prayer to have God move. Some people in our intercession think, did I say that right? Did I do that right? It's, it's not perfection, my friends. It's relationship. And it's not a relationship based on performance or per- perfection. So he wants to reframe the way you see him as father. And I so agree with Debbie. In that reframing him, it reframes you. As a daughter. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So he wants to unweave you from some things you've been woven into. And then he wants to weave you in again. And that's why things certain, I'm trying to give you some understanding. I feel like there's a real spirit of understanding upon us this morning so that you can get it. 
Because some of you don't understand the season that you're in and what God's doing in your life. And you've either stalled out and you're waiting for the next train to come by or you're resisting some things that you should actually be embracing. And so I think the Lord um, really wants to bring some of that into illumination today. You know, last night I spoke about, you know, it's time to dream dreams, right? I want to tell you just real quickly the three words that I think are still applicable for the body in this hour. And that's, you talk, I talked a little bit about dreams last night. But, excuse me, one other thing I want to say about dreams is some of you are at the end of your map. You've done everything you know to do from the last season of inspiration or even instruction or um, you've been part of a vision and that vision has ended, some things have complete. Does anybody feel that way? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to dream again. And in your dreaming, God will unroll the next map. It's almost like you've been the captain of a ship and you've been navigating and then all of a sudden you look at the map and the map ends and you don't know where to go or what to do. And, and in your dreaming, God is going to develop the next map for you. So it's time to dream again. And the second word is to develop. You're in a season where alignments are changing. Has anybody had any shifts in their relationships lately? Um, this is one of the things that's important to understand and important to know how to navigate. When you begin to shift relationships, relationships are alive, (laughs) alive. That's why when there's a break in a relationship, it hurts. Do you know what I'm saying? But in God, with the leading of the Lord, you can have what I call alignments that change so that they produce alliances How many of you know that an alignment and an alliance are different? It's a time where you'll change in alignments that will lead to alliances that will advance the kingdom of God in unprecedented ways. So there might be some um, reflection time that you need to have with the Lord on who's who's your top five. Where you really pour your time, your intimacy with your, you know, when the Lord was birthing this word in me, literally he showed me uh, several, several people, several friends of mine that I'm already close with. I'm already in intimate relationship. They know my world and I know their world. But one woman in particular I had to go to, took her out to dinner and I had a long talk with her at the end and I said, listen, I think we need to go into deeper waters. This is what's on my heart. I feel like I want, you know, I I don't know that I'm withholding any part of my life from you, but I want to make sure that you know that you're welcome in my world. So I extended an invitation to greater intimacy to this friend of mine. And I needed to do that. I needed to verbalize it, and I needed to. So it's so funny in that relationship. I didn't think about it till just now. Only a few small things have changed, but those small things have had a big impact. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? So now is a good time of reflection in your relationships. Are your relationships in order? And let me say this, since you ask. If there's any relationship that you know is out of order, if you have, now is the time to take care of any loose threads. If you've got someone in your family that, you, that you've got a breach with and... Um, 
you know, you, you can only live at peace so much as it's part that you can extend peace. You can't make somebody be at peace with you, but you can make sure that you've, um, I want to say, legitimately and clearly extended an offer of, uh, recon- of, of restoration to that person. Restoration and reconciliation are two different things. Restoration is saying, listen, we're good. I forgive. Would you forgive me? And by the way, if you're trying to do um, reconciliation, you don't wait for them to ask for, for forgiveness. You go and you, you take the low road. And you think through, what was the impact that I had on her? Not just what you did, but what was the impact? So instead of just saying, you know, Patrice, would you forgive me because, you know, I didn't invite you to that lunch last week? You know, would you forgive? Instead of just that, you could say, Patrice, would you forgive me? I I could have caused you to feel rejected last week. That was not my intention. I really, I'm not giving any excuses, but, you know, the impact of me not inviting you. You see what I'm saying? So that you, you get her out of her pain. Let me tell you, you've got the power to rescue people. And, you know, and what we do is sometimes we put more, more, more shackles on people than we do let them go. You okay with this? Okay. Okay, so develop alignments that lead to alliances. This is what I call, you'll hear this in the message this morning, relational revelation. We've got to have revelation about our relationships. Let me tell you, it's not that you go around mechanically thinking about this all the time, but as God changes you, it it changes the way you interact with people, doesn't it? And the third one is discover. It's really a time to discover him and you in new ways. Again, I've talked about this last night and even for a few minutes this morning, reframing how you see the Lord. It's so important. I've got a book by Jimmy Evans out there. It's called Freedom from Your Past. It's got a couple of, I love that book. I wish I'd had that when I was in prison. I would have made quicker progress. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I carry that on my book table because it's got a great chapter on a distorted image of God and a distorted image of yourself. And it does some great loosening with shame and some other things. And I so wish I'd had that book when I was incarcerated. And, and so we, we need to discover who we really are. Can I tell you, some of us deal with our behaviors uh, and we want to stop doing something or we want to start doing something. And if you know who you are, you can, you can live out of your who, not focused on your do. You know, your who and your do are different. Is that right? And so your who is established. Can I tell you? Your do doesn't change your who. And really, in a relational way, if you're in an intimate relationship, if someone doesn't do something exactly right and you really know their who, their do doesn't matter to their who. And so that's kind of knowing someone after the spirit. Have you ever wondered what that meant practically? It means that when, when, when Patrice doesn't do something exactly the way I want it or, you know, in our friendship and, and she, she's, you know, she's off, that I don't, I don't judge her and I don't change the way I relate based on that do because I know her who. And she doesn't fall into condemnation because she didn't do what she knows she's could have dude done, did, because she knows her who. Yeah, 
You know, that's why I love the cross. I love this. I love the cross. Um, any message that's crossless, of course, is Christless, and it's not, it will not perpetuate uh, the kingdom building in you. And, and so let me say this. Make sure you're sitting under cross teaching and, and not just about the cross, but you know that the theology is coming because of what he did. Very important. There's a lot of crossless gospel being preached today. But I love the cross. This is one of my favorite things. So you've got the cross. So, so what happened to my sin at, at the cross? It's under the blood. It's forgiven. So, so when he died, my sin and even who I was, it, it, he, I became in him. He took my sin and he, he gave me forgiveness, right? This is really cool. You ready? So also on the cross, same moment in time, same death, same blood, same event, the cross, he dies. At the, at the, it's so easy because I've heard the gospel of salvation preached so much, it's so easy for me to get my sin forgiven. That's why it's easy because we hear a, a gospel of salvation. We don't hear the gospel of the kingdom very much. Those are two very different things. I travel the world and I can go into a church and listen, I can listen to their songs, I can listen to a couple of sermons online, and I can tell what gospel's being preached. Basically, I can meet the people and tell you what gospel's being preached, not in a judgmental way, but in an assessment way to know what I can come in to do to help. It's just like, I'm not comparing myself to Paul, but Paul did the same thing. In Acts, he would go into the cities, and he would meet a group of disciples, and he'd say, hey, what baptism you guys know? What, you know, he, he wasn't trying to judge them. He was trying to find them. And he goes, hey, guys, what, what baptism you know? And they're like, we know John. We, our guy's John. And Paul goes, oh, great. Let me tell you about the next step. So they had heard about the baptism of John, but they had not heard about the baptism of the Spirit. So Paul begins to tell, just to build. See, Paul was a master builder, building on the foundation of Christ. So I'm not downing just the fact that we've heard the gospel of salvation, but let me tell you, we've got to go on. And we've got to hear the gospel of the kingdom. And we've got to understand that the church is not the kingdom. One of the biggest tsunamis in our day is going to be church mentality versus kingdom mentality. Okay, so here we've got the cross. Same moment, same event, same man, same death. Okay, I've heard that exchange. Okay, sin. So now even in my life today, when I, when, I, when I do sin, I'm not a sinner. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint. I occasionally sin. And when I occasionally sin, I now know what to do because I've heard the gospel of salvation. So I go to the cross. I repent. By the way, repentance is a gift. So I go to the cross and I, I repent and I receive forgiveness because I'm, I'm righteous. Because at the cross, at that moment, I got my who. I secured my who at that moment. Even when my do doesn't reflect my who, it doesn't change my who. Because my who came from him. My who doesn't come from my do when my do in a good do. Mary. So my who 
came from him. So if I get that, when my do doesn't reflect my who, my do doesn't have empowerment to make me feel like my who is bad. And if I get that here, then when her do doesn't match her who, I don't get pissed off. And I don't judge her, and I can stay in relationship with her. And the next thing you knew, darn it, I'm, I'm walking in a level of love. I could have never done it if my do and my who were screwed up. Does that make sense? I just wore myself out. Okay. I hope that helps somebody. That went in my notes. Any questions about your do? Do? I mean, uh, who? Yes. Both. Uh, and let me add a third one, nighttime dreaming. If you, let me start with a nighttime dreaming. If, God, if you're a dreamer at night, my suggestion is put a piece of, pad, piece of paper and a pencil by your bed and write them down whether you think you know what they mean or not, just to remember. And God will begin to, and then get my CD on Foundations for Hearing Him to help you with that. And also dreaming about, let me tell you, you've got limitations on your life right now. We're going to talk about this in the message. And one of the things the Lord wants to do is even the successes of the old season are limitations for your future. Okay? So God wants to take off limitations on what, what you've been called to do, how you do things, the effectiveness of your life, um, the, the depth of relationship with the Lord, yourself, and others. And so dreaming will help uh, limitations come off. Like, for example, God's been really having me dream financially. That's huge for me. Because my, one of my biggest losses was, you know, I had met all my financial goals by the time I was in my early 20s, before the government came in and, you know, investigated. And so I made my first stock investment when I was 13. So I, I lost everything. So when I came out of prison, you know, my, my home, my car, all my investments, the government had taken everything, and all my possessions were in a copy paper box. So it was about... It's about five years ago, I guess. I was sitting, uh, having a cup of coffee with my quiet time, and God got noisy. Does he ever interrupt your quiet time? <laughs> and really, the, the Holy Spirit manifested in a way where I felt him, and, and, and I just began to cry. And I knew exactly. The, 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 the Lord, in a very caring way, brought his finger to my heart, and he said, Mary, right there, you're afraid. And I knew exactly what he was saying. I was afraid to be wealthy again. And I repented. I said, Lord, I'm afraid. And he said, Mary, I want, I want to, I don't want you to manage that fear. I don't want you to just maintain it and manage it out of your will. I want to remove it. So up until this past January, I was doing pretty good, I thought, honestly. And I had... I'd been facing that fear. I'd been, you know, dealing with it with the best way I could. And when God brought this word to me about dreaming, man, he just, he convicted me. He said, you're not dreaming. To me, this is what he said, big enough or fast enough. So how did I practically respond? I'm just, you know, you guys know me. I'm just, I'm just who I am. I started making lists. 
I started making a list that when God blesses me financially, these are the people I'm going to, this is the cheerful giving I'm going to do. And I, I did that for a couple of months, and I got a phone call a couple of months after that, a couple of months into the year. This was just this year. And this guy calls me, and he goes, um, so I hear you're making a list. Nobody in the, I've never told this publicly, a few of my friends know, no one knew I made a list at that point. None of my friends, nothing. This guy calls, and he goes, I hear you're making a list. So I knew he heard from the Lord. He could have heard from anyone else. And I said, um, okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, he said, the Lord's very pleased with your list. He said, but, that's when trouble comes. He said, but, the Lord says, where's your Mary list? Where's your Mary list? So I had not made a list for anything I was going to do for me. I just didn't think of me. So where's the list when, when God blesses you financially and you are moving in abundance, when I bless you to be a blessing to others in, in unprecedented ways, where's the Mary list? So I had to start dreaming in a way that I hadn't dreamt before. My number one is to get rid of my ugly green golf bag. Yeah, I mean, that's where I started. I'm just practical. So I now have two lists going on my computer, my, my blessing other list and my blessing Mary list. And that was hard for me, but that broke up me just thinking that through, broke up fallow ground on how God feels about me. He said, Mary, I want to bless you to be a blessing. So you need to receive some water before you start giving it to the thirsty. She asked. It's not selfish. It's biblical. And, and let me tell you, one of the signs of a hard heart is that you're able to give and not receive. Mary, you better not look at the crowd. <laughs> and a hard heart doesn't mean necessarily a sinful heart. A hard heart can be a wounded heart. A hard heart can be an incarcerated heart. A hard heart can be a fearful heart. But one of the things, this was about 10 years ago, I went and received some personal ministry and um, had a prayer counselor sit with me for four days and, and, and help me so much with some blind spots. How many of you know that we've got blind spots? That's why the enemy doesn't want you in intimate relationship with one another, with people that love you and really care for you because uh, iron will sharpen iron in a way that will bring forth God's fullness and take away measure and bring joy to your life. So I went and got some ministry. This is, I don't know, doesn't matter, before. And I'll never forget when she, after, you know, talking and praying, she already had some words of knowledge before I even met with her. And uh, I'll never forget. And she said, you know, Mary, I need, to, I need to tell you, you have a hard heart. Like I'd been in the nations, traveling in the nations for eight or nine years, giving my life. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, whatever, what you do to, you know, serve the Lord. I could not believe. But then she began to show me. <laughs> she said, you know, Mary, um, one of the primary signs of a hard heart is that you're able to give and not receive. And then I was in Australia about four years ago. I was on a platform, huge, pretty large meeting, and the, the spirit of prophecy just came on me, and I just began to declare to the body of Christ in Australia, which I think was a word for the, the body. I said, the Lord is visiting, uh, visiting us in this hour to restore our receivers. Because we, 
we've got broken receivers, we've got incarcerated receivers, and we, we <laughs> again, most of us, particularly women as nurturers, we can easily give, but how about receiving? Let me tell you, it's okay to receive. But most of the time, we have to be healed or whole in an area so that we can. Just to say you, you can and it's okay is one thing. That's like me telling a bicycle, listen, you can ride down the road and it's got a flat tire. So that's why God is healing your heart in this hour. So that you can receive in a greater capacity and that you can give in a greater capacity. It's all about intimacy, relationship. Remember your four relationships? Your relationship with God your relationship with yourself. Some of us don't even know we have a relationship with ourselves, but we do. Your relationship with others and your relationship with your enemies. Unless you're like Graham Cook and he says he doesn't have enemies. This guy walked up to him on the plat- after he left the platform. He goes, I hate everything you stand for. I hate what you preach. I hate you and I'm your enemy. And Graham goes, no, you're not. He goes, oh, yeah, I hate you. I hate everything you said, and, 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 and I'm your enemy. And Graham goes, no, you're not. You can't be. He goes, what do you mean I can't be? He goes, it's Tuesday. I don't have enemies on Tuesday. <laughs> and he goes, uh, uh, well, I'm coming back on Wednesday. <laughs> and Graham goes, no, won't be my enemy. I do grace on Wednesday. I'm not there yet. (laughs) All right. I hadn't even jumped in yet. It's time for upgrades, my friends. Yes. Can you stand up and... Amen, I agree. Dream big, I agree with our sister. And and that's one of the reasons he's healing hearts because we have limitations in what we can even believe for. I mean, when I started making that list and my first one was my green golf bag, bless its heart. I've got one friend and he says he's never going to play golf with me until I get that replaced. That's how bad it is. And so, but when I started dreaming, even that for myself, it, it affected other dreams. So however the Lord leads you to get limitations off your life, like, I didn't even realize I had limitations till I started making my list. So, but that's why it's time, it's time for upgrades. It's time for upgrades in your wholeness. How many of y'all have ever had any emotional healing from the Lord? The rest of y'all need help. But how many of you know you're not through? One of my life verses, you know, my, my, pretty much, if I had to tell you why I'm probably left on the planet, it's for transformation of whatever that means, whether it be internal transformation, uh, transitional coaching for businesses to go to the next level, transitional coaching for uh, churches to go to the next level, or just transitional help in, in maturing the body of Christ. That is, my, that is my purpose. That is my assignment. It comes in many forms. He who began a good work in me will complete it up until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, while you're on the planet, you've never arrived. I get real nervous when I'm around people and, I'll, and they can never tell me what God's doing in them. They can only tell me what they're doing for the Lord. S- Hello? 
And can I tell you, that just makes you real and vulnerable and authentic. You know, let me tell you, the spirit of religion wants you to be focused on your do, not your who. And, and, and your internal, internal life with God is so important. So it, it's a time for upgrade. You know, how many of, you know, I'm sure that I'm not totally cleansed from the pain and the devastation from my past. In fact, I, I'm pretty sure I'm aware. In fact, I told a friend of this the other day that I wanted to spend some time with her because I would like some specific prayer over a certain, certain specific pain that just kind of keeps flashing up on the, it's kind of like a kernel of corn that keeps coming up. You know, you want to suppress it, turn off the microwave, and that darn thing pops anyway. It just comes up. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and, you, and you've even maybe dealt with that thing. You've even worked with the Lord. You've even received prayer. Maybe you even had a demon cast out about that. But how many of you know you can lose the demon and still have some pain? And that's why proper diagnosis, not from a navel-gazing standpoint, but from a spirit-led standpoint, Proper diagnosis is important because if it's a demon, you cast it out. If it's a wrong thought, you renew your mind. If it's pain, you've got to receive comfort, my friends. And that's one of the reasons God is restoring our receivers because we're not really good at receiving comfort. We say the Holy Spirit is our... When's the last time you really let someone comfort you? When? When's the last time? How many times has somebody come to give you a hug or give you a a greeting card and you said, oh, that was nice, but you didn't let it in? When's the last time you really experienced the comfort of the Holy Spirit? It was about six years ago. I was in my quiet time. I was in in my prayer room, and I happened to be on the floor. I don't always pray on the floor, but... I was that morning, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came. And I began to see a vision. It was like an MGM movie of when I wrote my book, A Glimpse of Grace. And I was sitting on the sofa with my friend Beth, who uh, wrote with me. And she she spent hundreds of hours with me. She went on trains, planes, and automobiles, India, South South America, Asia. She went all the way around the world with me, hearing my story. Um, And and, 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 and so she she was going over a portion of the story, reading it back to me because I, I edited every word. So she's telling me how she had written the story of uh, me being in the inner prison. And I was in an inner prison, and I was in an orange jumpsuit, and I was shackled, and I was chained. And uh, it was pretty tough. Those were some of my toughest days. And so she wrote this line. She said, and the Holy Spirit gave me comfort. And I'm seeing this in this vision. And she said, I'm seeing us sitting next to each other on the sofa. She said, and the Holy Spirit gave me comfort. And this is what I say to Beth. I said, comfort? Comfort? I said, the Holy Spirit didn't give me comfort. And Beth goes, oh, oh, yeah, I know, I know. The Holy Spirit would have given me comfort. You needed strength. (sighs) Do you all have friends that are different than you? So here I'm seeing this in the vision. And Beth writes, it's in the book. It says, and the Holy Spirit gave me strength. And I'm in prayer. And the Lord speaks to me and he said, Mary, you have a need for comfort that you know not of. And I broke. I mean, I snot. I made a deposit. I mean, it was just, I I didn't even really, and at that moment, I didn't even really know what comfort was. And all I knew to do, I know when God's trying to give me something and I haven't received it just to say I'm sorry. But I didn't even really know what that was. 
comfort. So I said, Lord, I just repent, and I just want to let you know I want to receive your comfort. I had, have you ever prayed something you have no idea? So a couple of days later, I go to my favorite church, St. Arbuck's, and I get out, and, I, and I'm going to the door, and this guy opens the door for me, and I'm about to walk in, tall guy. He wasn't even that good looking. And so I walk in, and he opens the door, and all of a sudden, I went to thank him, and I can't explain. Do you know how God turns a moment into a miracle? At that moment, it was a normal moment, but when God adds adds his super to your natural, a moment becomes a miracle. And I can't make that happen. It just happens. (laughs) So this guy opens the door. I go to thank him, and all of a sudden it was like something leaked from the ceiling and went all over me, and I knew in an instant it was comfort from a stranger opening the door. Go figure. But at that moment, I think maybe for the first time in my life, it touched me. I'm not saying comfort had never touched me before, but that touched me. Do you know what I'm saying? And so this was a couple of months later. I was in Walmart and um, I, needed to t- I need to tell you, I'm a disciple of Southern Living. And Southern Living tells you to put pumpkins on your front door. So I go to Walmart to get my pumpkins because I'm a good disciple. So go to Walmart, and they have those big bins of pumpkins, right? And I don't know how it is around here, but it's the, it's the wildest thing at Walmart on Saturday morning. They're twosies. And so these twosies are in the Walmart. And these twosies are out there. I'm a onesie. They're a twosie. They're these men and women that dress alike on Saturday morning. (laughs) There's a woman who would never during the week be caught dead in a ball cap, in a ball cap. And there's a man who's so proud that he didn't shave and he's got on sunglasses and a matching ball cap with his wife. He finally got his wife in that cap that he loves, she hates. It all works out. And their shorts are the city shorts they have on dockers. And, and they're these twosies. And that's fine. They're a twosie. I'm a onesie. Everybody's fine. I don't bother them. They don't bother me. We do our shopping. Everything's fine. So I'm in Walmart and I'm looking. There's an extraordinary number of twosies in Walmart that day, I noticed. And so uh, there's this huge bin of pumpkins And, you know, me being prophetic, I'm looking for God to speak through a pumpkin. (laughs) You know, and I hate it when he does it and I want him to, you know? So I'm looking. I'm looking. I don't see one. So I thought, okay, so I shift from being prophetic to a good disciple in Southern Living, and I just find one that's even. Okay, so, so I find my pumpkin, and I go in line, and I'm holding my pumpkin, and all of a sudden, you will not believe this, there's like a twosie in front of me. And he comes out of his world, turns to me and goes, I'll hold your pumpkin. I mean, he, they never come out of their worlds. Never. I've shopped at Walmart forever on Saturdays. They're in their world. I'm in mine. They do their thing. I do my thing. He came out of his world. It was a moment of comfort I'll never forget. I made him pay for it. (laughs) So let me ask you a question. Do you know how to receive comfort? Have you opened up your heart to the Lord in a way where you'll trust him to comfort you? Close your eyes for just a moment. 
I have a feeling there's several people, many of us, under the sound of my voice today that need an encounter with God as, as, as your comforter. And you've, you've been the source of comfort for many. But the Lord wants to come, even today, and bring comfort to you. But I think it's appropriate if we'll begin by saying, Lord, I, I want to know you as comforter. So in your own way, let him know that today. If you need to say something, you need to do anything. Let him know that you want to let the comforter in. And there's some people under the sound of my voice that have been wounded and hurt, even abused by those that should have comforted you as children, even adults. But the Lord says to you today, I am going to come as your true comforter and a true friend. I'll never forsake you. I'll never harm you. And I have assigned moments of encountering my comfort on the docket of your life. And I'm asking you in this hour to trust me to be your comforter in the days ahead. The Lord says there's some pockets of pain that the enemy would never like for you to get rid of. But the Lord says, I have plans to bring healing and wholeness to those areas of your life that have been fragmented and fractured and divided. So Lord, today, we just want to acknowledge you as our comforter. And Lord, I pray right now that you would just come in a ministry of comfort. Lord, I pray that the things that are coming to our mind, Lord, even memories, Lord, we're not going to go looking and navel-gazing, but Lord, even relationship breakups and divorce and loss through disease or someone here that's lost a loved one through an unexpected illness, and uh, the Lord wants to comfort you in that. And it's even, it's been several years, but the Lord says there's been stored up pain in that area. And the Lord, the Lord wants to just comfort you. There's someone here that lost a, a pet, a dog. And it was a, a, he was a great sense of comfort for you. Um, you nurtured. And it was a great loss for you. And you've thought, well, that's just silly to be that upset. The Lord wants to comfort you in that area today. So, Holy Spirit, you just come and comfort our hearts, comfort our minds, comfort our emotions. Lord, comfort our bodies. Lord, some of our bodies have imbalances because, Lord, we haven't known how to receive some things emotionally. So, Lord, I'm asking today that you would restore receivers, that you would restore, and, Lord, you'd give us the ability, and the courage. Lord, I'm, I call forth courage in these women today. Courage to receive comfort. Courage, boldness, great courage. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that every woman would have a pumpkin story. Lord, give them a Tuesday moment.
Lord, I pray that they'd have their own story, their own testimony of practically encountering your comfort in a way that impacts them, changes them, and heals them, Lord. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name. You know, it's amazing the process that we're in. We're all in process. And sometimes we're in a process we don't even recognize. Have you ever been in a, in a process or in something with God and you didn't even know it till you were on the other side? I'll never forget when I got out of prison. Um, you know, I started traveling almost right away. This was before 9-11. And the first time I went to the airport at DFW, I, I went through security and I beeped. And, you know, so when you beep, they wand you and they pat search you. Well, that seems normal, but I'd just gotten out of prison. So that had a little bit different impact on me. So, I mean, I mean, my heartbeat was 482,000. I was sweating and I hated it. I got through it, went on my trip. A couple of weeks later, I was going again. So what did I do? I prayed, Lord, give me favor with those TSA agents and, you know, just, and I just trusted the Lord. So I go through security. <laughs> I get to the infamous security place. I walk through the thing. And I beeped. My heart was racing. I got padded. I got wanded. And I went on to the gate. A couple of weeks later, I go, this time I'm getting smart. I take off my jewelry. Even before 9-11, I take off my shoes. I mean, I'm looking ugly, but I'm at least not going to beep, right? So I get to security. And I'm getting ready to go through the thing. And I was like, okay, Lord. (laughs) I go through and I beep. I go on the trip. And it was about, I, went, I must have done that about six, eight, nine times, something like that. But I remember it was about the ninth time. I was running a little late. I prayed every time. How many, do you ever feel like God's not answering your prayer? But, but you're good Christian women, so you don't get ticked off at them, but you're just. <laughs> so I was like this with God. So I'll never forget this, though. On about the ninth time I go, I'm under the thing, I go, I beep, I get wanded, I get to the gate, all the way to the gate, and I went, I beeped. I beeped, but the beep didn't bother me. And during those nine months, God had been healing me, and I, I looked back, and I saw the progress. The first time I beeped, I was sweating, I was going 480 in my heart, and I was trying to pray away a window of opportunity God was trying to give me to show me the progress he was giving me in my heart. Is anybody with me? Sometimes we try to resist the very thing God's using to show us him and what he's done in our heart. Because we don't know he does that. I have a feeling some of you all are right in the middle of a progress and a journey And God wants to reveal to you some things that he's doing in your heart to encourage you that you're making progress. Sometimes we don't celebrate enough. Sometimes we wait until the addiction's totally over or the the bondage is totally off or the pain is totally healed. Let me tell you, it's time to celebrate some progress, ladies. It's time to have joy on the journey. 
And it's time to celebrate with those around you that are making progress instead of holding them onto some standard that until when she finally reaches this, when she finally throws away all the cigarettes, then, then I'll celebrate her. But if I celebrate now, she might be thinking I'm affirming that behavior. How dumb is that? Yeah, Debbie goes, pretty dumb. It's, it's not encouraging people. We've got, the, we've got the source of life in us for other people. And God will give you ways to do that. So I didn't get to my message. (laughs) Debbie's like, we have time. You know, if you can understand the process you're in, you'll have amazing grace for the people around you that are in process. So what we do is we think we've arrived and that other people haven't arrived until they've totally arrived. But the more you understand that you're in progress, you will have grace for other people around you. How many of you know that Jesus accepted and received people right where they were? I mean, I love the story of um, Zacchaeus. You know, he was the guy up in the tree, the tax collector. He was like a a scoundrel because he was like the master tax collector. So he not only made, um, he, he took tax money from the tax collectors. And they say, I know it says he was a man of short stature. And they, they, some people say, well, he was up in a tree so he could see Jesus. I don't think that was his reason. I think there was a crowd of people trying to get to Jesus. And he knew if he was in that crowd, crowd between about the third and fourth rib, there would have been a dagger. Had nothing to do with how tall the boy was. So Zacchaeus is up in the tree and Jesus is in the crowd. And all of a sudden... Jesus just looks up in the tree and he goes, Zacchaeus, in and out hamburgers at your house tonight at 7. Isn't that great that came to Texas? And Zacchaeus, I mean, so Jesus didn't talk about anything that we would have talked about. Jesus didn't point out what he'd been doing, who he'd been hanging out with. Nothing. He didn't do it. He said, you and me, dinner, your house, seven. And in, the, in, in, in Hebrew, in the Hebraic culture, if I say I'm going to have dinner with you and if I'm going to share a meal with you, culturally that's saying absolutely everything is cool with us, that there's no division, there's no problem, that we, you know, I see you. That's what that says. So here's Jesus announcing to the entire town, Zacchaeus, I see you. Zacchaeus comes down from the tree. Jesus never says anything. Zacchaeus comes down from the tree and he's like, "Uh, okay, I'm going to give back everything I've taken. Jesus never even asked him to. Because Jesus encountered Zacchaeus right where he was. And if we will just encounter, encounter ourselves right where we are, for one thing, can I tell you, most women are just too darn hard on themselves. We put standards on ourselves. And if you've got standards on yourself, I've got to do this better. If you're, if, you're, if you're driven by performance, you're not at rest in peace. Now, there's excellence, there's integrity. I get all that, but that's different than drivenness. Character de- development is different than your, your mode of living. Aren't you glad you came to church? So the more you see yourself, then the more you're going to relate to someone that way, just like Jesus did to Zacchaeus. 
And Jesus entered his world immediately. Don't you love that? Don't you love it when you have those moments with the Lord when he's like, I see you. I've been, uh, I thought I was going to bring a message. I haven't brought any of the messages that I've prepared so far. But I thought I was going to bring a message this weekend about, um, I prophesied over somebody last night. The, the word came out, yada. It's to be known. So what is it, Psalm 139? He knows you. Do you know what that word yada is? It's the same word when it says in Genesis that Adam knew Eve. How many of you know that's pretty intimate? I mean, just, and, and I know that's the sexual connotation of intimacy, but that, that word intimate has so much more depth and so much more meaning than sexual, by the way. I'm out to steal that word back from the world. Some of y'all got nervous because I've been using the word intimate all weekend. I could feel it. I started, I was in a leadership meeting in another city, and there was about, I don't know, 40 people there. They were from six different churches. Only about four or five people knew me. And uh, some friends were holding the meeting, and I started the meeting off like this. Um, Hi, you know, my name's Mary, and before we get started, I just want to let you know that that the Lord is asking me to be intimate with Bill. (laughs) Debbie goes, oh, my. The leaders just looked. It's like E.F. Hutton walked in the room. I said, no, 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 I need to make this clear. God's requiring me to be intimate with Bill. Now, Bill's married. He's the one that called the meeting with his wife. He and his wife are in the room, and they trust me, and they're just looking at each other. And I said, no, no, really, he's requiring intimacy for me to be intimate with Bill. It's awful quiet in this Presbyterian house. It's because the world has sold us a bill of goods that intimacy means sexuality. And intimacy, we we are created like if... Um, I I had a friend that drew this for me one time that helped bring understanding to me. If you draw a circle, and that represents intimacy, one small piece of the pie, let's say 10%, is is sexual. You've got 90% of that word that you should be experiencing with one another. But we're not only scared of the word, we're scared of what that means. Because I'm behind a wall, I've got a hard heart because I've been wounded, I'm not living out of divine design. I'm not meaningfully connected to anyone. I go to church robotically. I have a plastic life, and I wonder why the word doesn't work for me. That's why God's healing our hearts, awakening our hearts, showing us where we are in the process so that true life can flow between one another. Let me tell you, this will never produce joy, whether it be in friendships or marriages, your relationship with your community and the body of believers that you choose to worship and and have uh, spiritual community with. God's calling us into vibrant relationships. So I'd love to do, you know, I'm not going to, but here's a point of reflection. Um, I like to say it this way. Who are at least two people in your life, other than your spouse, that you're totally emotionally mentally and spiritually safe with. Remember earlier I talked about alignments turning into alliances? And those type of relationships take deposits, take time. They take vulnerability. They take risk. If I could encourage women in the body to do anything in this hour, it's to Really, take some time of reflection and ask, Lord, who should I be developing intimacy with in this hour? 
other than your family. It might be someone in your family. It's not that it's not. But who, what relationships are really, should I be developing intimacy to the place that they are a safe harbor for me? One of the reasons we're not getting healed and we're not growing and we've walked with God for 25 years and we're still in pampers is because we're not in relationships that allow us to mature. We're in, um, we're in shallow waters. Is anybody with me? Is this helping anybody? I know I'm challenging you. I'm challenging myself today. But I know this is what the Lord's been calling me to. And yes, it is scary. It's a little risky. But this is what the Lord will do. He'll, he'll bring people along and you'll, you'll find out, wow, I'm kind of getting to know Sybil and, you know, she's had some similar experiences. So, gosh, I can, I can tell her about that issue. Gosh, I'm so ashamed. I'm so afraid. But, you know, I'm going to take a risk. I, I've gotten to know her and I feel like it's a safe place. And she never talks about anybody else's stuff to me. Can I tell you, you get to assess which safe harbor you want. And if you will be a safe harbor for someone, that's a good place to start. And, and, and let me tell you, when, when you begin to be a safe harbor for someone, less is always more. What, what I mean by that, you might not even tell anybody that you, 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 you met with that person in, intimately. You know, or I, I had a prayer session with Patrice last week. That's nobody's business. We've, we've got to be... Wise as serpents and gentle as doves. You know, sometimes in the body of Christ, we've developed our gentleness as doves, but we just do not have any wisdom or limited wisdom. And wisdom as a serpent means that you can navigate tricky places with ease. And how many of you know some of the trickiest places in our lives are relationships? And sometimes we put all this effort, and let me tell you, you you guys are getting to know me. I'm all for spiritual gifts. I'm all for charismatic expressions of the kingdom. How many of you know that I'm probably all in? I mean, I'm in. (laughs) But you can't live in that anointing only. I have to live my everyday life in everyday relationships. And we're in an hour where having, uh, doing great exploits for God has got to come from a relational base that's sound. It, it's, it's not a reflection of kingdom living when, when our relationships around us are falling apart and we go do signs, wonders, and miracles. Can I tell you that? I'm trying to express the kingdom today. How are we doing? So I, I'm presenting a challenge for you today because some of you guys are really comfortable in your dysfunction. I say that in the love of God. I'm comfortable in some areas of my dysfunction. And God's showing me, Mary, that is your normal and that is not my normal in the kingdom. So we're going to start reframing some things. Is that helping anybody today? You know, let me do this. Debbie, come stand here. When, when you got born again, let's say Debbie, Debbie is a non-believer. And so her heart is the heart of a sinner. She's got a, a black heart. She, she has not encountered God. She is not saved. So she's got behaviors that match who she is, right? So why do we, you know, why do we expect sinners to do anything than what their father tells them to do? So ease up on the unbelievers, the pre-Christians. Can you just ease up? Turn to your neighbor and say, ease up. So, so here's Debbie. Now she encounters Jesus. 
And she gets born again, and all of a sudden she becomes on the innermost being in her spirit man, someone that she never was before. She's a new creature in Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. 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 But what happened to her brain? Huh. So she's got the same cranial matter. What happened to her emotions? Still the same. What happened to her will? So you've got your mind, your will, and your emotions that the Holy Spirit begins to choose what he's working on when to bring her closer, more and more, into her divine design. Here's her divine design. It's over here. She's walking towards it. Oh, she encounters an issue here at work where she has to forgive. That's reworking her emotional patterns where before, in her unredeemed state, it was revenge. Now, it's forgiveness. So life life situations and encounters come so that the Holy Spirit can work in those moments to renew her mind, challenge it. Because right now, she's living in a strong tower. If you can picture a big tower right here, God's got something in mind to break down where she's living and build her up because right now she's in a huge strong tower of rejection. So she's on, oh, she's a born-again believer. She's gotten the zeal of the Lord. Oh, she's even gotten on staff at a church. But she's living in a strong tower of rejection. God knows it. So God allows circumstances to come and touch this strong tower that she's living in to break down the bricks Because first you break, and then you build. So the circumstances she's hoping would go away are touching her to break down those bricks and strip of that so that she comes a little, and then God begins to put relational and situational things, and now she's living in a strong tower of acceptance. So that no matter what she does to her, her response is that uh, I'm accepted. So when rejection hits me horizontally, I'm established vertically. So So this is what it looks like to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So Paul says, work out your salvation. So do you work for your salvation? How do you get it? Believing. So why do you have to work it out? Let me tell you. So she's working out her salvation. So now all of a sudden established in her heart is acceptance. So now before when she was established in rejection, I mean, she could have been invited to every party on the planet and she would feel rejected. Now she can be left out and still be accepted. So her salvation, which is a salvation of total acceptance has been worked out in her emotions, and it's expressed in her body. Thanks. So that's what it means. That's where you are. There's some area in your life right now that's God's going, I'm, I know, honey, I know that's kind of painful. I, I know that's difficult, but I'm, I'm breaking that down because I want to shift you, because I want to establish you to live in where you should live because that you're a kingdom gal. You're working, he's working out his salvation with fear and trembling. So let's ask the Lord.
let's ask the Holy Spirit if he'll reveal to you what he has his finger on specifically. So just close your eyes for just a second.